Hey everybody, real quick, before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about another awesome podcast and probably a unique podcast. You don't probably have nothing like it in your feed. Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. This is a podcast called Burning Daylight. It's hosted by a friend of the show, Matt McKinley. It's about liberty. It's about cowboy shit. It's about inappropriate jokes, which I could say the kind of joke, but today's episode of Finding Freedom... You know, I want to keep the explicit label off of it, so I, I, I'll let you let you imagine what kind of jokes I'm talking about. But it's it's entertainment, and it's a podcast for the working cowboy and for those who want to know more about what it's like to be a cowboy. And quite honestly, who in their right mind does not want to know more about what it's like to be a cowboy? I know I do. Check this podcast out, Burning Daylight. You will not regret it. We are born free, and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Okay, so welcome to another episode of Finding Freedom, a little bit of a different format today. I have three guests who are joining me and uh, three, you know, very very special guests, three guys who got out of prison, um, were granted clemency uh, at the last second uh, by Donald Trump, three guys who were in prison serving life sentences for marijuana, life for pot. So I'm going to introduce real quickly each of them. And then we'll come back around and get like a, uh, a quicker or a, a more thorough introduction from each of them. So first want to introduce Corvain Cooper. Uh, Corvain was consp- convicted of conspiracy to distribute and possessed with intent to distribute at least a thousand kilograms of marijuana, money laundering, and some uh, IRS reporting stuff. Uh, Corvain received, like I said, a life sentence. And at the time, it was with the without the possibility of parole. And that was in 2014. He did, re- he did receive clemency from Donald Trump. Corvain, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And uh, shout out to Amy, shout out to Beth Curtis and shout out LPP and all the people that helped us, you know what I mean? Very live project and everybody that helped us all get out and all, you know what I mean? There's still people locked up. So it's still 40,000 people locked up and you still have Luke locked up and you have Parker Coleman locked up. You have other people that are still need to get out of there. That uh, it's just bad, man. I just want to fight, and I just want all those everybody to be home. It's just too much uh, stuff going on, and it's just too much uh, billions of stuff being made. And I was just talking about this earlier that there's 700 stores in California alone, and at just the 700 stores just in California before we get to Portland, before we get to all these other states, if they just dropped just $100 in the bucket for our re-entry, for our, for the people that's maybe need a lawyer to help get out or just for the people who help, we all help promote cannabis before them. You know what I mean? You gotta look at Michael and at the time that he's done and the time that he started promoting the marijuana for the word to be a big industry today that, you know, he has medical needs, you have dental needs, you have all these needs that you need when you re-enter into society. And we just want them to just drop one little tear in the bucket because we're prisoners of war and we fought on the front line for this industry to be where it is today. 100%. Yeah, you, you guys were facing life sentences and now uh, they're creating all this tax revenue from uh, from selling it legally. 
And uh, like, I mean, there's still people who are in prison today. I mean, I'm all, all over the country. Uh, Jimmy Romans is also with us. Jimmy was charged with conspiracy to distribute marijuana in August of 2010. In February 2013, he was sentenced to life without parole. The sentence was reduced in 2017 to 30 to 30 years. And then uh, in January last month, he was granted clemency by Trump. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, like Corvain said, uh, yeah, it's been a struggle. It, uh, it, it's uh, bittersweet because there's a lot of men that got left behind that's been doing the right thing. They've been programming. They've been staying out of trouble. And uh, and uh, they need to be out. Like he said, Luke, uh, uh, my co-defendant's actually still in there facing 30 years, Kevin Harden and uh, Lance Glore. I mean, there's several names that we can't even speak on right now. But, uh, yeah, I want to give a shout-out, too, like you said, to Amy, Can Do Foundation, Alice Johnson, Jessica Jackson from Reform Alliance, and uh, Weldon Angelos, uh, Chad Marks, a bunch of people that's helped us. Nameless, Freedom Grow, yeah. LPP. I mean, I could yeah, sit here, yeah. but it goes on and on and on. But, uh, yeah, like uh, like he said, like I believe, man, these uh, I said in there like he did in 2013 and watched lines around the block at these dispensaries. And it's like two different spectrums. We were in the same, basically the same avenue, but two different specta- spectrums because we're serving a life sentence for something that they're sitting here, got lines around, and they're walking out with packages of weed legally and, and getting in their car and driving away. So that was bittersweet because although I love seeing that happen and I love seeing it go mainstream, it, it, it's affecting people on the opposite end also. And uh, that was rough to see. Like Corvain said, it was it was rough to see. But, uh, you know, we're out here. We're pushing forward one day at a time. Uh, we're trying to stay focused. But uh, like he said, if if they just get together, it, it would be a remarkable difference. And we could get, all get together. All these advocate groups need to get together. and We need to have a big push. Not mm-hmm. this one doing this and this one doing this. Everybody needs to get in unison and we can have a big push. Because like he said, there's thousands of people in there that deserve to be home. And like him, myself, and Michael, we're going to keep pushing. People advocated for us. We're not going to stop. It's just beginning. So we're going to keep walking the walk. We're going to talk, keep it going, do these interviews like like Corvain. He's done, I mean, I've probably done over 20. I'm sure he's done over 20. We haven't stopped talking and we're not going to stop talking. And like I was telling you earlier, We've been in this new thing called Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, this Clubhouse has got avenues, man. If we get other people in there, there's some powerful people in there, and they can make a difference. They can definitely make a difference, and they already have, and they're, they're, they're willing to put the foot forward and help. And they, they, these are people that got connections that can get to, you know, these politicians, these lawmakers, you know, these uh, people in Washington. And uh, let's, let's, let's make a change, man. Let's push for the best. Yeah, you're teaching me stuff about technology. You've been out for for a month. I'm not even on Clubhouse. You're telling me about how to use Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I wouldn't have known, but somebody hit me to it, and then uh, I'm in a Corvain in several rooms, and uh, it's a, uh, it's educational, it's uh, networking, but it's also a good time. You know, what I mean, I've mm-hmm. been learning a lot about the cannabis, uh, uh, uh you know, factories and uh, how they're uh, cultivating it and everything, listening into these rooms. So it's a, it's a powerful platform. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's very powerful. 
So I, I want to introduce Michael as well. And Michael, I don't want to butcher your last name. How do you say your mm-hmm. last name? Pelletier. Pelletier. I would have got it right. I, I don't know. For some reason, I thought I would say it wrong. Anyway, M- Michael Pelletier. Uh, Michael uh, was paralyzed from the waist down at the age of 11 in a uh, farming accident. And I don't want to tell his, his story for him, but um, that's how he got into using marijuana was was to help with uh, with the pain there uh, medically. And uh, he was he was sentenced to life without parole back in 2006 and also was granted clemency last month. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to thank everybody, uh, Amy, Can Do Foundation, Last Prisoner Project, uh, uh, Freedom Grow Forever, all these people uh, that helped me to get out. And uh, it's a blessing to be out. And uh, it's it's hard to explain, you know, what I mean, the, the, from being incarcerated for 17 years and, and just getting out with all this new technology. It's kind of like a mind bottling. And with the uh, dispensaries that are all legal all over the country, it kind of like uh, it, it's it's shocking that the truth is finally coming out after all these years from the Anslinger prohibition way back. That um, the thing is, is there's too many people incarcerated for something that should be legalized, and a lot of industries, a lot of big companies are going to be kicking in or kicking in for something that we, I was, in my mind, I was put to death because they gave me a life sentence. I didn't think I was ever going to make it out, but gnawing at it one day at a time and uh, blessed, I'm out. And I thank everybody, people like you, John, to, uh, bring these things out to the open, to the public, because uh, there's a lot of ignorance and people just don't know. May it was a medical thing and it's still a medical thing actually, but I just can't use it. So I'm on oxybutin right now for spasms. And um, so that's where it's at. It's like, it's confusing all the way around about the way it's illegal, then it's legal. I mean, if it was a poison back then, it should still be. But, and it, it hurts a lot of people. Family mm-hmm. puts a lot of people in prison. You lose everything. And now uh, people are buying houses, people buying, and they took hours. They took everything of ours for the same thing that they're doing. So anyway, just, just want to thank you, John, and everybody that helped to bring awareness and I thank you much. Yeah, well, thank thank you all for for coming on the show. And the first question I do want to ask to to each of you here, and Michael, you, you kind of talked about it there, is you thought you weren't going to get out. And I just we'll we'll start with Jimmy. So th- did you think the same? Did you think that you were going to serve out this full life sentence? Did you maintain some hope that you would get out? And when did you? I mean, when did you find out that you were getting clemency? You know, I. Uh, uh... I can't, I, I maintained hope. I can't say I didn't falter and have days where I was like, is this ever going to, you know, am I ever going to go home or am I going to, you know, be in here and my parents pass away and everybody that I know passes away and sooner or later I pass away, you know, I mean, yeah, them thoughts come in your head when you get a life sentence in the federal system, a life sentence is basically a walking death sentence. I mean, I'm not taken away from the guys on death row because of course they have it terrible. 
but basically it is a walking death sentence and uh, it's rough. I did three years at the same prison with uh, Michael. I mean, we've seen each other every day and we had to lift each other up. I mean, there were days that he had bad days. There were days that I had bad days, but uh, we had to lift each other up and push each other and, and, and focus on, you have to have hope, man. You have to keep hope alive. You have to keep your head up. You have to walk tall. And uh, I mean, you got to hope for a better tomorrow and our better tomorrow came on January 20th when uh, President Trump signed him clemencies in the, the uh, 11th hour. And when I say the 11th hour, I mean the 11th hour. Did you have any I mean, idea that it was that it was coming at that point in time? Well, you know, I mean, like Corvain and Michael, we had people pushing for us all this time, but you never really actually know who's yeah, going to be on right. it until the list is finalized. I mean, you hope and yeah, you got good advocates and you're hearing stuff like, okay, your stuff's at the White House. It's at the right spot. It's on this desk. Uh, They're talking about your name, but you don't know until your name's actually on there because he did 143. I believe 70 some were pardons and 70 some were commutations. Well, 70 some commutations out of 165,000 inmates. The percentage is just, I, I, I don't even know what that would be. Yeah, 14,000 people apply. You know what I mean? So yeah, the, yeah, the percentage has got to be 0. 0.00 and then maybe some numbers. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very minimal. But uh, yeah, my family all found out the night before. But of course, we've been on lockdown because of COVID. So we wasn't watching no TVs or nothing like that. So I actually didn't find out till 9 o'clock that morning on the 20th. The uh, guard came up and told me I need to come down to the office. And uh, he turned his computer around and pointed to my name. And at the top, it said presidential clemency. And uh, all I could do is say, praise the Lord, you know, give God all the glory because uh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I'm sitting here right now. I still don't believe it. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, you know, it's just it's a miracle, man. It really is. And uh, I thank the Lord and I thank everybody. And uh, it's a blessing. So. uh, I just trying to, you know, strive to do the best that I can and, and pay it forward to them that are uh, left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Corvain, was it similar experience for you? Did you, did you think, I mean, was your mind set that you were going to be spending life in prison or were you maintaining hope that, that you would get out? Me and Jimmy are like cousins. We're like brothers and cousins. Like not only is our cases both similar where we went to the, got a case out of States that we've never been to, you know what I mean? But just like him, we was on lockdown as well. So while we're on lockdown, I don't find out till the morning. So me and Jimmy finds out at the right time. We, it's just we're meant. It's just something that's our our stories are so in line where we got caught around the same time. We're parallel with the same age. He's out of his case is out of Texas. Miles was out of Charlotte, and it's all just all testimony where they don't have any rock or evidence. So. It's just, oh, man, it was just crazy because the night before I was telling people I had a little hope, though. I had like a lot of hope and I would always tell people I was coming home. I didn't know the date. But just like you said, it's like this is a long shot. You're waiting on a lottery pick. And if we don't get this pick with Trump, with all the stuff Trump has going on, remind me, we're banking on somebody who has a thing going on with the Capitol. He has election fraud. He has all this stuff going on. So to even think about us when you have all this stuff going on with the finger pointing at you, salute him for that. You know what I mean? To even be thinking about us in the last hour of anything. You feel what I'm saying? With the, with the fingers pointed at him. But I always would tell people that not, then people will wonder, why did I bank on Trump? And why are you putting all your signatures for Trump? You don't. But I said he's unpredictable. 
first of all. He's unpredictable. You don't know what Trump's going to do. So I got my signature now, and then we start pushing. And uh, I tell people I believe when Trump leaves, and I left when Trump left. So it's power, right. it's power in words, and it's power in faith. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just, I just, I just, I'm just thankful. And I'm just thankful. Like you said, it's like sometimes you got to pinch yourself. Like, damn, I'm here. And people even want to talk and hear from me. And I just was living in Pollock in a cell, locked in cell, eating three bag lunches a day. You know what I mean? So to even for thank you, John, like uh, Michael said, for even letting us tell a story and letting us project out to the public what's really going on. Oh, thank you guys for for sharing your story. I mean, people need to hear this. A lot of people don't even know that there are and were people in prison serving life sentences for uh, for pot. I mean, it's amazing how many people have no idea that's even happening. There's people who are you know, elected representatives who, who don't know that. I was just, I, I wanted to say one more thing too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when you get off the plane, we're coming to California, we're coming to LA. If you get off on LAX right now, it says, welcome, cannabis is legal. Cannabis is, they're selling cannabis and it's big billboards as soon as you get off on Century at LAX. I was just saying earlier that it'd be nice if they said, if it was a, if, if that's where all those hundred dollars and stuff like that goes to, too, that I was saying of all the stuff. Now they can promote and now the same way you promote selling it, promote that people are dying in jail behind this. I've seen seven suicides and five murders while I was locked up. So promote what situations that you guys are putting us in. You're putting us in USPs, too, by the way. So we're we're in high security prisons and max prisons behind the plant as well. So put that information out there as much as you're putting the information out or selling it and as much as it's on the stock market and as much as till rays went up this week and as, as much as all these stocks are going up, please put out the fact that there's 40,000 people locked up all around the world. So that's where the hundred in the bucket doesn't just go towards reentry. The hundred goes towards, goes towards promoting what's really going on with the injustice of the, of the plan as well. Yeah. Education's big. Yeah. That's just one state. We got this legalized in so many different states. So if it's 700 stores here, it might be 300 in Portland once you do the numbers. You know what I mean? So you got Boston, you got New Jersey. You know what I mean? Everybody just put 100 in the bucket in the same way. If you got LPP can do it and as far as just with their constituents, if you have somebody that's in charge, it's the same way somebody's in charge of taking care of the veterans when they come home and making sure that they have to go to the hospital and stuff like that. We're just looking for something in the, in the cannabis industry that can help us. It's no reason why Michael needs to go to work. You know what I mean? You feel what I'm saying? It's somebody that needs to take care of that. You know what I mean? Honestly, there should be, you know, cannabis entrepreneurs who should just step up. It's easy for me to say this. I'm, you know, I'm not one, but I, maybe this will happen. I'll put it out there. Maybe some will start stepping up and start doing this, you know, starting these, starting these funds voluntarily because they're profit. I mean, they're profiting off of it. They're, you know, building incredible amounts of wealth off of it. And it would be good for them it would good, it'd be good PR for them to turn around and uh, and give back to, to where it's to where it's needed to where it's be a, the right thing to do really, but to come back to to Michael, you were talking about that you'd kind of resigned yourself to to finishing out your sentence, finishing out your life sentence in, in prison. Um, were you shocked when, when you got when you got clemency? Can you take us through you know, emotionally what that was like for you when you got that when you found out? Now, it was like a roller coaster because uh, Amy Tendu Foundation, Amy Pova, uh, since Obama, I, I'm, I was still pending and I thought I was going to get it with Obama. And I, I'm pen- I was pending s- since. And then uh, last April, I forgot what it was, but 
uh, it kind of like uh, I had a chance. So I packed my stuff, all my belongings in the, in my bags, and they were packed till I got clemency. Um, so, um, yes, um, like Jimmy said, at the 11th hour, I found out only the following day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because we're on lockdown for uh, corona. And it, it was like... Uh, I don't know. It was shocking, but then I kind of like sense that something's going to happen. But if it wouldn't happen this time, hopefully it would happen soon because with uh, Biden and the way they were talking that they were going to legalize it and whatever. So it gave me hope. I, I still had hope all the way through kind of like, but it, it fades away. You know what I mean? And in the last um, uh, 10 years or so, whatever, uh, I saw the laws changing kind of like, and in my hometown of 5,000 people up in Madawaska, uh, there's four dispensaries. I mean, it's unreal. It, it's like, man, you know what I mean? Uh, and the conspiracy is a demon. The conspiracy charge is a demon. They, they, they lied. And I, I got, that's what pissed me off is because of the lies. If I would have been sentenced for something I really done, it'd be different, but it's the lies that, kind of gave me a, a push, I guess, to get pissed off and, 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 and keep on biting because I knew that the truth will come out sooner or later. And the conspiracy, it should not exist. I mean, I'm telling you, they made me, they made me like a demon. You know what I mean? They made me like a demon and all the time. It was just BS all the way through one thing after another. And I didn't say nothing in court, you know, and they expected me to debrief and they expected me to uh, say things on the Canadians and whatever. And when I did it, it was like even the judge in the back chambers, and I got it on my transcript that he says, ladies and gentlemen, can't, can't we do something? I hate to, I can't get out there and, and convict this young man for a life sentence. And, and, but he came out and he said it was mandatory. His hands were tied and whatever. So um, there I was, you know, with a life sentence on no, no violence, no nothing, three strikes, you know what I mean? One, six ounces, another one, four pounds. And then this one on the four pound, they come up with this conspiracy that this dude lied through his teeth and they knew he lied. He didn't make any sense at all. But the conspiracy thinks. And then when the prosecutor says that, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this man here is telling the truth who would not have immunity, still lying. So the jury looks at the prosecutor like he, he's telling the truth. See, and they get away with this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like it snowballs into something. At a time, I didn't even know that they were talking about my case. It was so outrageous. But when you don't speak up in court, you know what I mean? You can't fight a lie. Oh, I'm glad you talked about your case because that was my next question. But but just so one more thing on the conspiracy charges, just so everybody knows um, exactly what that means. There were There were no drugs in your case, right? Nothing, not even a joint, nothing. They, they, they had nothing. So it was all just based on hearsay, Ghost dope. evidence. Ghost dope, yeah. And uh, when you went into the trial, were you, I mean, you thought you had a good chance to, to win it? Well, if they, I knew the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew that if they go, if I'm convicted of what I've done, uh, I wouldn't be facing that much time. But when the lies started coming in, it, it, it makes you wonder. It's like, where is this going? And it snowballed and, and, and they, they, they manifest. And of course, uh, the, uh, the, the prosecutor will proffer uh, the, uh, the, the witness because, you know, and, and they know it too, you know, and he ain't going to say five pounds. He's going to say 500. 
and he gets a better chance for immunity and he senses it. And so he, they exaggerate and lie through their teeth that don't make any sense at all. So just to continue on, so everyone can hear about each of your cases. I, I know Jimmy and Corvain's cases, you kind of talked about earlier that they're very similar, but, uh, I guess we'll start with Jimmy. If you just want to talk about, about your case and, uh, what happened there? Well, <clears throat> the uh, state of Indiana picked me up for a state charge and I pled guilty to financing the dealing of marijuana because uh, I never was around any marijuana or anything. And I uh, signed a plea agreement for one year. Well, 10 months into that one year, the feds came and indicted me out of Texas. Like I said, a place I've never been to before. Hmm. And uh, indicted me for a thousand kilos or more of di- dis- distributing uh, marijuana. So I got taken down to Texas and uh, I'm, you know, going through trial and all this. And the big thing that we were fighting was uh, venue, jurisdiction, because I'd never been there. Nothing ever happened in Texas. The drugs were bought in Indiana. They were sold in Indiana. They were paid for in Indiana. But with a conspiracy charge, they can charge you anywhere they say that there was one single act that hmm. happened in any jurisdiction, any district, anywhere along the way. So they took 16 of us from Indiana down to Texas because one guy lived in Texas. So I uh, went to trial and, of course, we lost. And uh, at, at a trial, you got to get found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But at sentencing, they can put these sentencing enhancements on you, and they only have to be what's called a preponderance of the evidence. And who else is there that is to say that it's a preponderance of the evidence but the judge? So basically, it's your back against the wall. The judge is going to give you the enhancements that they want, and that jacks your time up. So I went from a base level of 36 because the feder- the feds go on a guideline range. It's a guideline, sentencing guideline range. And it goes to level 43 is the top level. Well, they put these sentencing enhancements on you and you start out with a base level. They jack up the drug amount. You start out with a base level. Then they put these enhancements. They can give you so many points for leadership, so many points for a stash house, so many points for this, so many points for that. And I ended up being a level 44 which the charts only go to 43. But if it's anything over 43, they just consider it as a 43. And 43 is life across the board. No matter if you don't have any criminal history, no matter anything, it's life across the board. So that's what I, uh, that's what I uh, ended up getting. And at sentencing, I remember uh, they had me stand up. They were getting ready to read my sentence to me. And before you get sentenced, you get what's called a pre-sentence investigation or a pre-sentence report. Mm -hmm. And the probation officer does that uh, about a month or so before. And you get that back in the mail before you go. And pretty much, I would say 90, 95% of the time, the judge goes with what the probation officer recommends. So mine recommended life. So I kind of knew that I was probably going to get a life sentence before I even went to my sentencing hearing. So... When they had me stand up, you know, of course, three or four marshals came and stood up real close behind me, because if you can imagine, they already figure what I'm going to get. And you can imagine over the years, I'm sure more than several people that's gotten a life sentence have shown their butts, so to speak, (laughs) 
and uh, maybe done some crazy things in the courtroom. So I, I can feel the presence of these marshals right up on my back. And the judge, you know, reads the sentence, you know, I uh, confine you to the Bureau of Prisons for life. And is there anything you want to say to the court? And uh, the only thing I could say is, God bless you, Your Honor, and God bless this court. Then I said, let's go. So that's uh, pretty much how it went that day. And then uh, it was rough. It was, uh, man, it was rough. It was emotional. It was hard. But I kept my head held high. I walked back, went back to the cell in the county jail, went to bed, had to make that hard phone call to my mom and uh, tell them what happened. And I told them right off the bat, I said, you know, we're not believing this. We're not giving this any power. We're going to push forward. We're going to, you know, keep in our steady prayer and the Lord's going to see us through this. And, uh, he did all these years, you know, we held firm and we kept believing. And, uh, on January 20th, 2021, my outdate got changed. <laughs> and, uh, here I am today. And, uh, it's all because of, uh, you know, several people. And, uh, if you can give me just one minute, I'd like to say a few names if that's okay. Oh, or absolutely. Would I, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my sister, if it wasn't for my sister, I wouldn't have one advocate ever. She has been my rock. She's solid. My family give all the glory to God. I just want to mention the human solutions, you know, the marijuana lifer project, Adela Falk, can do Amy Pova, the Seattle hemp fest with Vivian McPeak and Sharon Whitson, Kristen floor, Stephanie Landa, and all the freedom grow. Beth Curtis life for pot, like Corvain mentioned the last prisoner project, the freedom fighters with Lisa Jacoby and Chad Marks. Weldon Angelos was Mission Green. Alice Johnson, of course, was a main component at the end. Mm -hmm. I'm going to name a, a couple more. Jessica Jackson with the Reform Alliance. President Trump, first and foremost, besides the Lord. Uh, Ivanka and Jared Kushner. And this is what I come to find out. At the end, I talked to Alice and she said, this is how it went down at the very end. I'm sure Corvin's heard this too. That very last night, about in between 8 to 10 o'clock in the evening, they, uh, Ivanka and Jared Kushner had uh, some lists of people's names. And I come to find out President Trump called him in the Oval Office and he said, I'm going to give you each 30 seconds to give your pitch on each of the names that you have in your hand. And I'm going to go from what you said. Wow. And the three or four days prior to this, Alice Johnson had been talking to Ivanka several times and said that she went through our cases front to back and uh, that we were very deserving. And uh, we got blessed. Praise the Lord, Corvin. <laughs> definitely got blessed. We definitely got blessed. <laughs> yeah. We definitely so, uh, got blessed, man. That's, uh, that's how I heard the end went. And, uh, you know, uh, just hit the ground running like Corvin said. You know, it's hard when you step out there when, uh, like – the, the, the hardest thing is the state and federal both are so hungry to get everything they can get from people. Yeah, they want to lock you up, but they want assets. They want stuff. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. And uh, they took everything. They took everything from me, just like Corvin. I'm sure they took everything. They, they, they take everything they can from you, your family, your loved ones. They take you away from my, my family got a life sentence the same day I did. My family, they, they got sentenced as well as I did. 
and uh, it, it's rough, man. That's and going in, you know, when you're selling marijuana, you think, oh, I don't have no victims. Well, I was seriously wrong because the main victims on my case were my family, and uh, they struggled. I struggled, and uh, it's been a homecoming like no other, and it's going to continue. And we're going to give the Lord all the praise, but we're we're going to uh, keep pushing, but we're also going to enjoy ourselves. You know what I mean? We're going to have a good time. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to eat good food. We're going to buy some new clothes whenever we get the opportunity to. We're going to have cookouts. We're going to eat good because, you know, uh, we were gone a long time. You know what I mean? So we deserve it and uh, give the Lord all the glory. And we're just going to keep pushing and hope that uh, people step up and, uh, you know, uh, are with us during this hard time in our life. I'm glad you brought up or you're talking about victims, families being victims. I would say they're not victims of of you, of any any of the three of you. It's it's the state, the the government that came in and created those victims through through the sentencing and all those different things you talked about. Um, it is a victim. The, the crime itself is a victimless crime. The victims are created by by the process. For sure, for sure, hundred percent. I think most people listening to this show would, would agree with that. But uh, Corvain, we want to come back to you and uh, hear about your case. Um, tell us about, you know, what that what that was like for you when you found out that you were uh, you were going to be serving life. It was like, man, it was it was like getting hit by a train. You know, what I mean, you kind of get hit by a train at one time. Like you're just like, boom, okay. You're, I'm 33 years old at the time, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm still young. I'm still like trying to figure all this thing out. I'm leaving behind two daughters. And like you said, they're taking my company. I started a clothing company called All Money. They're taking your company. They're taking this. So they're busy taking, 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 taking when it's like they're the ones who's making all the money, but you want to take from us. But with the same token, it's just like how Michael said, where the judge is saying this is hard on the court, you know, and I wouldn't want to normally give a 33 year old man life. But just like just like Jimmy said, now you got your PSI where you're getting four points for leadership role due to testimony. You know, what I mean, not due to the police officer seeing me do anything. He got on the stand and I have it in black and white in my trial transcript. Have you seen Mr. Corbin Cooper commit any crimes? He said no. That was one of my main reasons to go to trial. If you are the investigating officer and you've never seen me commit any crimes, and the only person that said that they seen me committing crimes were my so-called friends and so-called co-defendants at the time, which, you know what I mean? I went to trial with Evelyn and uh, Natalia. We went to trial while the guys I grew up with all were testifying against us. You feel what I'm saying? So, you know, you get to learn a lot. You get to learn who's who during this time. You know, it's just... You know, you lost all the friends that you grew up with. You, they take your money. They take your, your 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 time that you spent missing your kids' graduation and missing this. Meanwhile, all while the plant is exploding, and it doesn't explode until we're all in there. You know, so it's like that's when it just takes off. I'm, I'm I was kind of at the peak of right before it took off because I already had a cannabis uh, a smoking license for California when I left. You know, so. Then on the state, you can actually smoke it. And on feds, you can't smoke it on federal parole. So it's just a big, it's a big jump. You know, I mean, I want to thank Sherry Shakar too. She was the first person ever in life to have a Corbin Cooper. And she introduced me to the activist game. You know what I mean? So I have to thank her for that too. But it's it's just it's it was just a massive hurt 
as, as you can see, the people that you lose, you're losing your family members. You, you're losing. Oh, my God, I lost my uncle. I lost my I lost two uncles and a granny, you know, what I mean, during the time that I was down. So you're missing that. You're not going to be able to go to the funeral. Then they charge you with 40 tons off of just all off of here's a she's saying some bank statements. So that's why I started 40 tons.co. It's a social impact brand to help out the other. When you buy a t-shirt, some of the proceeds are going to go to the Parker Coleman's to the Luke's. I want to do the same thing that was done for me. You know, Freedom Grove sent you fifty dollars for Thanksgiving and a hundred dollars here for Christmas. And well, Angelos did did the mission green for the parent. Oh, rice and peace, Mickey Martin for sending all my kids to parents for pot was a big pivotal thing before he died. You know, so I wanted the things that were happening to me, I'm trying to figure out how to do that for somebody. So that's why I started that. And, and like he said, hopefully Michael has a GoFundMe and Jimmy has a GoFundMe, everybody has a GoFundMe and everybody can, it doesn't matter if somebody that's listening has a dollar to give for a re-entry. You know what I mean? Please donate to Corinne Cooper GoFundMe, to Jimmy's GoFundMe, to Michael's GoFundMe, to everybody's GoFundMe so we can re-enter back into society and maybe have a good meal or maybe uh, buy something to eat or do things that we didn't get to do for the last 10 years that we lived in a bathroom. You know what I mean? And have to, have to suffer over this plant. So, you know, it's, it's tons of lists. I got Brittany K. Barnett, like you said, Alice Johnson was very pivotal towards the end. Uh, you got Amy Pova, she's like, Amy Pova is like an aunt, you know what I mean? So you just got everybody to thank, like you said, the Freedom Grow, the whole crew, it's Dina, it's everybody down there, Stephanie, it's everybody, you know, so it's not just one person that helped us. The last prison project really helped with our reentry, and, you know, you got everybody that played a pivotal part in all of us lives, and I have all our pictures on the wall, and I got the changes coming and all this, and I'll see Mike when I see Jimmy, and I see, and I said, it was like the Mount Rushmore, we're, we're like, was the Mount Rushmore marijuana we served our time and we're waiting for the rest of them. We want the whole mountain to be clear. You know what I mean? It's still people that's on a mountain that needs to come home today. And we just, we're just basically, it's the same story. So if you hear Jimmy's story, you hear my story. It's, it's basically, we're more pushing for, for now the rest of the people coming home and, 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 and helping us re-enter back into society. You know what I mean? That's really, that's really what we're, uh, we're pushing the most. Cause I look at Michael today and I'm just like, damn, I used to see pictures of Michael every day because Beth would keep you up to date and you would see pictures and you know everybody would send Freedom Grow would send pictures and everybody would see pictures of all of us. So we'll see all of us together and different, you know, how we got the thing in OJ where people go to the to the pop museum and stuff like that. So now that I'm seeing, I'm looking like, you know, what is, what is it that after Michael served his time for this plant, what is it that you want him to do at his age? You know what I mean? Do you want him to go work or or, or is the cannabis industry really going to step up and take care of this man and make sure a roof is provided over his head for the billions and trillions of dollars that's getting made? You know what I mean? And and, and, and are you going to let are you going to let out a table for me and Jimmy to be able to work in the field and stuff like that? You know, so those are the main things that we're focused on right now. All right, guys. Well, just a couple minutes left here. Just want to go go around the room one more time, and uh, you know, talk about. I want you to talk about you know something positive. Um, if you could share with us, maybe not the first thing you ate that when you got out, but really the first really good meal that you had. If you could share that, and also talk about. Feel free to plug anything that you're working on or anything else that you uh, you want to point people towards. So we'll we'll start with uh, Michael on that. Yes, thank you. Um, well, the first thing I ate uh, was uh, McDonald's. 
<laughs> I said, I said the first really good thing. First really good Real fries. It was like, wow, you know what I mean? Not soggy or nothing. It was like, man, it was a treat. Just McDonald's, something so simple. Yeah. Uh, well, to be positive, man, I came back last night in Florida. You can ride around with a go-kart, uh, not a go-kart, a golf cart. And I was on my brother's golf cart. I'm living at my brother's house. And I arrived because I went to the little canal and fed the ducks and, and, and a turtle and, and the fishes. And, and I come back. He's laying in a hammock with a beer. And he says, man, you look happy, Mike. He says, it must be wild. Huh? I mean, from a month ago, he says, what is the feeling? It's like being born. I says, Dave, the only way I can explain, I says, close your eyes right now. Now open them. And there's palm trees around and whatever and whatever. He's got a nice place. I says, when your eyes were closed, you're incarcerated. And when your eyes open, you were free. That's how massive it felt to me. Just seeing a tree, a real tree, just the first. I came here and I went and he showed me around at one o'clock at night. And uh, he says, you coming in? I says, no. He says, I, I, I got to stay here. He says, well, what are you doing? I'm looking up, looking up in the sky. I says, it's the fresh air. I haven't had fresh air for so many months. And it's like, you serious? Just breathing real fresh air, you know what I mean? And with the corona thing, man, it's hell in there. And, and, and he, he kind of like looked at me and he says, man, you've been through a hard time, my brother. And, and yeah, I have, but you know what I mean? Um, here I am, but yes, the conspiracy thing is mean. And like Jimmy said, they're looking out for assets. They throw at you something so outrageous, like a life sentence, that most people will man, will say something just to get out of it, and and that's what they want. So then the ball goes to the other court, and then they'll do the same with this guy, push him to the limit so he will debrief or whatever. And it has nothing to do with what's legal and what's not and what's right and what's wrong. It has to do with financially. It has to do with money because that's bottom line. They don't care about you're just a number. It's what they can get out of you, like me. I'm a paraplegic since the age of 11. They fined me 83,000 bucks. Since the age of 18, my social security, they, 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 they're making me pay that back. I thought, I was told the feds can only go five years. They're making me pay 83,000 since the age of 18. I'm 65 now, since the age of 18. And when the prosecutor said that I was bilking the system, I, I thought to myself, bilking the six, the system, 83,000 for what, 40, 50 years, whatever. And then when he said that uh, I was living a, a, a life of luxury uh, out of my means because I had an ATV, I had a snowmobile. I told my lawyer, I says, tell him that I'll take his legs away. That's luxury. Nobody will carry me to the ice shack. Nobody will bring me in the woods. I need my snowmobile to be able to go fishing. I need my ATV. I says, that's luxury. That's a necessity for me. And it, it, it was just like mind-boggling that the system is not out to help somebody that wants to help themselves. I was trying to get off the welfare all my life. Most people try to get on. And it's that mind-boggling that, you know, who is watching the watchers? You know, it's, it, it, it don't make any sense. There's so many things that don't make any sense. And it's obvious, but they don't care. They, they look out, and out to get the money, whatever they can get out of you. And they're pushing people to the breaking point. It's it's a it's a nasty system. Uh, the, the state the state is a nasty a nasty system that we have here. But uh, come oh, back to to Jimmy. Starting off, when you got out, what's the first good thing you ate? 
Well, my family actually uh, all got together. My sister drove down from Chicago during that day because uh, I found out at nine in the morning I didn't get released till 6 p.m. So my daughter came in from Virginia. Some friends came up from Alabama. They all rented a 15 passenger van and they were out in the parking lot filming me walking out. It's on my Facebook. But uh, yeah, we went to the first place, man. Applebee's was right down the corner. I had me a steak and, you know, baked potato, uh, onion rings. <laughs> I mean, I. I went full, I went full throttle right there, man. I couldn't eat it all because my stomach done shrunk over the years, but, uh, it was definitely a blessing. It was, uh, it was fantastic just, uh, being surrounded by, uh, you know, I'm a grandfather now, man. I went in not being one. I went in my, uh, daughter's she's older. I got two grandkids now. So, uh, first time I ever got to see my grandkids outside of the wall. I mean, I've seen them on some visits, you know what I mean? But actually be outside of the wall and, uh, we had a uh, we had thirteen of us sitting around the table just laughing, having a good time. Uh, it's it just uh, it was a uh, it was a blessing, man. It was a great experience, and uh, we had a good time. And then we stopped at a gas station, and I walked in, and uh, that video is also on my Facebook. But uh, all the colors, I mean, it, you wouldn't understand what would jump out at you after being in there because everything's khaki, everything's blah. The walls are painted just in a, 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 a shade that is doesn't have any color. And then you walk in and just everything pops out at you and it, every color in the book. And you walk down the candy aisle and, you know, five, five, five hours before then I could buy two candy bars. Now I could buy a hundred different candy bars. It's just, I mean, it was uh, the small things and, and uh, it was, uh, it was, and still is a miracle. And I don't take uh, take anything for granted because, uh, you know, that conspiracy charge, like he was saying, um, you can get dragged into something even if you don't get caught doing nothing. So it's uh, it's crazy. But uh, I thank the Lord. I thank my family and all my advocates. And uh, I'm just going to keep pushing forward, you know, like Corvain said. I, and uh, I'm ready to do everything I can to keep moving. And uh, with the help from some of these guys. I think the sky's the limit and, uh, these dispensaries, you know, could, uh, they could, they could bring everybody up, man. And we could, we could battle on this front, this army, we could battle because it's an army that they have now, all these different dispensaries and all these advocates, it's an army and we could push, but we all got to do it together. We can't do it by ourselves. Hey, how do people, uh, if they wanted to listen to you on clubhouse, how would they do that? Is there like a, do you have a, a name to follow? How does that work on Clubhouse? I sound like I'm a like a boomer or something talking about it. <laughs> well, actually, I I don't I don't actually know the full thing about Clubhouse. I know I got mm -hmm. a couple invites, but if you go if you download the Clubhouse app, you can. Uh, Corvey might know a little bit more about it, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I got a uh, I got a room that I started. I don't even know what the name is. Uh, my mm -hmm. my sister started it, and mm -hmm. I just show up. But uh, yeah, they got one called. Uh, East Coast Cannabis, and uh, it's a pretty powerful one. I'm going to be speaking on that one uh, this Saturday night about 8 o'clock. But uh, Corvain, you know more about it than I do, probably. Yeah, you so, can go. Hey, hey, Cor Corvain, before you, before you start, make sure, first thing, uh, best meal you had when you got out, yeah, then get into uh, talking about Clubhouse after that. Oh, also, one yeah. more thing before you start, Corvain. If uh, everybody, you can look me up under uh, – uh, under my Facebook, Jimmy Romans, you know what I mean? I'm accepting friends and I'll talk to you also on uh, Instagram. It's free Jimmy Romans. 
but it's uh, it's going to get changed to Jimmy Roman's free because uh, mm. uh, my sister started that for me back when she was trying to get me out, but uh, now I'm out. So uh, it's a uh, free Jimmy Roman's right now. Go on there and hit me up and uh, DM me if uh, you have any questions. I'm going to be trying to get some things going, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you, John, for having us on. Thank you. All right, Corvain. I had I was just like Michael. It was late, so I got the McDonald's too. But it was the best prize I ever had too. I had a chicken nugget combo. <laughs> yeah, I had a combo, and um, it was like man, like you said. But then right after we went there, I had to go get a phone. So we went to Walmart to go get a phone. But I've been on a ninety day lockdown. We just had a riot. So to see people cutting in line and we just went had to want to ride and eight people just got stabbed for cutting in line. Yeah. That was just like, whoa, you're looking like people are cutting in line. Like I just left a place where you cut in line. That was serious. So I was on a 90 day lockdown coming up when I was going to Walmart. But uh yeah, those are the first two places I went, but the McDonald's was great. And uh like they said, we have to we have to stand on this though. This conspiracy is really the main law. It's not Really, the marijuana is the problem. The conspiracy in the marijuana is a double problem because it's a web you can't get out of. The persons that probably got me and Jim, they were already in jail and they can to give the body somebody the most power to take you off the street and they're in jail. That's pretty serious. You know, what I mean, that's pretty dangerous to let people in jail, get people off the street with no kind of hardcore evidence of just them saying what they're saying to to the detective. So that's pretty deep. You know what I mean? And people need to look into that. And the conspiracy law needs to have some kind of red tape around it because you're taking people away from their life and away from their family. And it's very seriously the trauma that you're causing when you're doing that. But um, yeah, I just, uh, you can follow me at Corvain Cooper on Instagram. Like you said, it's about the clubhouse. It's Corvain Cooper on Clubhouse and 40 tons on Clubhouse. Sometimes we host and sometimes we ping in and uh, it's very big. It's a very good network. We've met some very important people in there and they have very important people in the industry on there. And uh, we got 40 tons.co is where you can go get you your free Corvain t-shirt, but I don't want my name on it. They have my face on the shirt as now, but justice has already been served for me. So you can have, you can, you can buy that and make good. The money gets contributed to people that's in, in, in jail. But I want to change the shirt. I want Luke on the shirt. I want I want just to be served with somebody besides me. You know what I mean? So I want Parker and the rest of the Lance and the rest of the guys on the shirt. So if I can change the shirt, the more the shirt changes and my face is, is not on air anymore, the more I'm doing my work. You know what I mean? The more the, the, the brand is moving in the right direction. As long as you keep saying me on the shirt, then the brand is not uh, moved forward until the shirt is changed somebody else just is up and serve. So you go in there, you can go on my GoFundMe. I don't care if you have a dollar, I don't care if you have 50 cent. Corvain Cooper on GoFundMe for my re-entry. I love that my daughters are in another room and I love that I can be home with them and it's not free, you know? So I just love everything that you're doing. I thank John for, for inviting me on the show and being able to even listen and tell the story. Yeah. Well, thank, uh, thank all three of you for coming on the show and send me any, any links or, uh, you know, GoFundMe or any, uh, social media stuff that you want me to post on the show notes page. I'll put that all up there and people can, can, uh, can go to the show notes page or our website and, and find it. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, thank you all for coming on. And like I said, at the top, you know, I'd like to down the road a month or two or so, you know, have each of you back on individually and do a more in-depth interview. Sounds good. I'll send you uh, I'll send you a few links. Definitely. Sounds good. All right, Michael. All right, Corvain. Nice seeing you guys. 
Same here. Nice right, seeing you, Anthony. Thanks, John. Thank you See all. You, Have Jim. a good night. Same with you. John, thank you. Good night. All right. Thank you. Hey, friends, what is happening? Just a quick note. I want to talk to you about another great podcast, one that I listen to all the time. It's called Good Morning Liberty. It's hosted by our good friends, Nate and Charlie. These are two guys that, uh, I'll tell you what, they do a great job of sorting through the news and pulling out the most important stuff. They're two guys that they actually work together and they have a a uh, healthcare IT consulting company. So really cool, interesting background for a lot of the things that we're going through today with the pandemic and everything else. But also importantly, I think that they really bring a great way of taking uh, complicated ideas and condensing them down so you can easily communicate them to your friends and persuade them to uh, you know actually agree with you on some topics. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, Go give Good Morning Liberty a listen. Check out Nate and Charlie and uh, tell them that I sent you to listen to Good Morning Liberty. Check it out. Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app, you know how to do it, and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, the three shows that we have, um, Monday's show with uh, Mark Clare, our flagship program, our longest-running program, and uh, on Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. Um, Those guys have been killing it, and I am so excited about the direction of Lions of Liberty. Um, We're seeing some awesome numbers right now, and we're going to continue to grow, so it's great stuff. If you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt. And we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burning.